Greetings, everyone, and welcome to the 59th edition of Cinema Effect. I'm Zach, and I'm joined by my fellow Hans Zimmer appreciator, Jaden. G'day. I got it right this week. And PTA's number one fanboy, a.k.a. Fitzy, a.k.a. Liam. Hello. Not Sleepy Jeff this week. Thank you for that, by the way. It's kind of you. It's kind of you. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Cinema Effect, the podcast where we review and talk about a different movie every single Monday. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, and all the podcast apps, so please subscribe. You can visit ratethispodcast.com slash cinema effect, I think, because I got an email the other day, something about how you need to renew it or something, and I definitely didn't do that. So if someone was, if someone out there wants to try typing in ratethispodcast.com slash cinema effect, see if it works then you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes and we'll read it out on the show. So please do that. Hopefully it works. If not, you can just go to iTunes, you know, whatever. It's not that hard. As always, we'd love you to submit your questions, thoughts, reviews for next week's film in the YouTube comment section. Or, of course, you can send us a DM on the Instagram. This week we're asking you to coincide with our finale of Born Reviews, by far the longest franchise we've done so far. It's a, it's an auspicious occasion. So we're asking you, what is your favourite Bourne movie of the five? And if you don't know anything about, if you haven't seen a Bourne movie or not enough of one or whatever, you can write in about what your favourite review that we did of a Bourne movie was, if you can distinguish them, which would also be impressive if you can think back and go, oh, yeah, I really liked the uh, episode 51 they did, you know what I mean? Like, if it's not just all a blur to you. So let us know. This week we're reviewing... Minority Report, which opened in the US on the 21st of June 2002. It was directed by Steven Spielberg. Ever heard of him? The genre is a sci-fi crime film. And the synopsis reads, In a future where a special police unit is able to arrest murderers before they commit their crimes, an officer from that unit is himself accused of a future murder. Fitzy? You rewatched Minority Report this week. How'd you find it this time? Um, yeah, I think it was my third or fourth time watching. Actually, I've seen it a few times. Oh, okay, cool. Um, um, it's really weird because I thought like I thought like everything, like pretty much everything in the film was great, but by the end, or especially like after the end, it kind of felt that overall it's just a it's a good movie. Um, that has like some really great, some great moments and great sequences and yeah, stuff like that. I think there's a lot, a lot to appreciate. Um, but overall I think it's just, yeah, a good movie. So yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I feel that. Uh, Yeah. There's a lot I love and then I don't, I sort of struggle with how it comes together in some places, but what about you, Jaden? A bit conflicted. I don't know. I think um, overall, I kind of felt dissatisfied and bored for most of it. You know, mm. I I just I don't, I just don't understand why they keep giving, you know, novels of you know one of the greatest sci-fi writers of all time to directors that just manage to make it flat and you know just sap the life out of it. Um, I do think it was interesting though, and I think that just comes from the premise though. I don't think that really comes from anything added by the film format. So like in in terms of praising it as a film i'm not sure how much of that i can really do but I, I i do think it was decent but like i think there was an overall unhappiness with it did you feel that the first time this is my first time watching it 
Is it? Oh, wow. Forget. Oh, there you go. Um, my apologies. I liked the movie. Um, I, I, yeah, I've got issues with it. I, yeah, I'm all over the place. I'm sort of, I feel like I'm pretty akin to Fitzy here. Like, I do think it's a, really, a good movie, but there's there's a lot to break down, I think, for me. So, Jane, I want to know, what was your trajectory with the film interest-wise, if that makes sense? So, like, how engaged were you act to act if you're left dissatisfied by the end? You know, because i got to say, like, for me... I was disengaged the, 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 pretty much the entire time. Really? So for me, like the first act pulled me in right away. The, the beginning, I thought, the, the first 45 minutes, I totally loved. Um, but yeah, h- how do you feel about that? No, I, I don't think that I could say there's an extended portion of the film that I love. I think there's certain scenes that I think were better than others. Um, I just think it's the film looked ugly as. I mean, like it was made in 2002, but it feels like it was 1982. You know, it was so fucking, you know, drained of color and like it did it feel like there was like a really strong film grain on that as well because it just it wasn't a pleasant thing to view at times and i mean like it's just there was never an extended sequence where i could just latch onto it there was cool moments and an interesting plot point in in a certain spot but there was, it, it never really carried over onto the onto you know continuous scenes right I like that you brought up how it looked because I really liked how it looked. And it's, I, I was thinking about this. It might be my favourite looking Spielberg movie. I don't I don't know what else sort of... Tintin. Tin, oh, that's a great shout too. Raiders of the Lost Ark looks awesome. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. It's, it's up there for me though. I mean, there's a lot of choice obviously. But oh, thank you for bringing up the way it looks because... Well, I've only got one piece of trivia and I'll knock it out right now, all right? So the cinematographer cinematographer for the movie, who I will fail to completely botch their name, Janunz Kaminsky, did a bleach bypass of the film in order to create the desaturated silver-tinted colours. So that's where a lot of that comes from. I dug it. I dug it personally. Just everything looks washed out in a deliberate feeling way as opposed to like there's a difference between you know going into premiere and just putting the saturation down at negative 200 you know what i mean and but this feels i don't know this just feels right and I, I it's one of those things where i couldn't have told you when i was watching it like oh i can see the cinematographers <laughs> done this technique here but yeah I, I looking back i can sort of tell you know what i mean but uh did you like how it was looked how it looked fitzy yeah or no <laughs> Um, yeah, I like how the film looks. It looks kind of, like, kind of ugly in an intentional way, I guess. Mm, um, yeah, yeah, that's a way better way of putting what I was trying to say. I also, it kind of looks a bit like some parts of War of the Worlds as well. Um, it's, like, very, like, light colours and, like, especially, like, there's, like, this one scene where the background, um, where you see just the sky in the background is just all white, and that was kind of like, mm. um, that was like the start of War of the Worlds with um, like at Tom Cruise's house, but um, um, I don't know. It feels like it really it it creates a good tone and it it um mixes well with you know the futuristic elements, which I really like. So yeah, yeah, you know it, it works for the world and. I didn't know anything about this movie's premise 
so when I when I launch into the first two minutes and I'm getting these these balls popping out of the thing and it's like they're predicting murders, I was like, what? This is this is crazy. I don't know. I, I had no idea what this meant. I knew it was it's like a sci-fi film. I was sort of expecting Tom Cruise on a spaceship or some shit. I don't know. I didn't know what I was expecting. And this really blew me away. I was really interested in the premise, the, the way the world works and the, the look at the technology we get all looks really good. All the CG looks really good i think this you know there's a couple of shots in the in the car chase like moment that, that don't hold up for sure for sure but generally speaking i think the cityscapes look really good i think all the uh you know the little all the ui stuff when they're you know they're doing they're doing the classic hollywood sci-fi thing when they're moving their fingers around and they have holograms yeah. like, moving around i think it all looks pretty good it's 20 years ago what um what movie is that like originally like, is there a movie that that's originally from? Like, that idea of, like, moving your fingers and, like, zooming out and in? Because like, I was thinking when I was watching this, like, do I remember that specific type of thing from this movie? But, I mean, I guess it was in, like, Iron Man and stuff And like Star that. Trek and shit. Yeah, that's a yeah. That's a great question. Did it originate? Mm, you guys would probably be able to answer that better than me, to be honest. I don't know. That intrigues me. If if it did originate here, mate, oh, I don't know, but it's cool. They did a good job. I can understand why it's influential, but that's only a, that's a tiny thing. I think I, I do really like the way the the world looks. It, it feels like a distinctive, you know, depiction of the future. Not not that I think it, you know, holds iconic status like Blade Runner's world, you know, but it feel it felt different, and I I enjoyed it for that for sure. All right. So, no, I mentioned that I really liked the, the first act. The way it looked drew me in. The premise drew me in, to your point, Jaden. Um, the premise is so interesting. And that is definitely what hooked me at first, just that. I do I do want to give the film some credit. I think it has, in terms of how it handles its premise, I, don't, I do think it executes on it in interesting ways. Maybe towards the end I, I lose it a bit, but here in in the opening when we get the way it brings up through dialogue these really interesting philosophical questions that i am forever fascinated by like the um when the first dude is arrested for about he's about to kill his wife and he's like well i i wasn't going to do anything you know you can just like claim this i i thought that was really cool and then not long after we get the uh the, the really great i think it's really well written conversation with old mate, what's his name, Colin Farrell, and them all standing around in the in the little, I don't know, hub room or whatever, and he's, like, talking about cause and effect and he's rolling the ball. Um, I thought that's a great scene. And it, like, sets up the for, – for the layman, sets up and, – and for me, for anyone – sets up the philosophical questions the movie's sort of throwing out there at you really succinctly um, and, you know, obviously visually representing the ball being rolled and, and talking about it. I thought – in that way, the film does do justice to its premise in how it sort of introduces those ideas, I think. So, yeah, I enjoyed that. Did you like your Colin Farrell's number something fanboy, Jada? Did you like him in the movie? Yeah, I thought it was really good. I, I, I really enjoyed him. That was a surprise. I didn't know who was doing this. You yeah. Know? Was, yeah, um... yeah. At first, I wasn't sure if it was him because I was like, is that just someone from 2002 that looks like him? But then I was like, no, no. He looks so young. Yeah. He looks so young. Looks, you know, un- unweathered. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, um, I, I I liked him a lot in the movie too. 
yeah, no, I, th- I thought it was, I thought it was great, and I really like, I, I like the character that he played as well. And I thought, um, yeah, you know, the the way they tried to throw him off is like, you know, like he was kind of the red herring of the film that you know we thought he was going to be the bad guy in the setup or whatever. Felt a bit obvious that it was going to be Max Wonsito, but like, I, I still, in, I, I still like that aspect of the film of that actual yeah. like, twist. I, I don't, I'm a bit all over the place with it actually. I Max von Sydow is great in the movie. Sido, Sido, Sido. I say Sido, but I don't know oh, if God, it's correct. Like, we'll just go with whatever we want. Um, <laughs> he, he, oh, because yeah, I remember he passed recently. That sucked, dude. He's he's great. He's a treasure. I love him in um. He was great in Shutter Island too. He has great screen presence. But no, I, I I enjoyed him a lot here. In terms of the, I feel like the movie does the thing. Just jumping into the third act, because why not? The the movie does the thing, where like, I feel like it explains the twist like too many times not explains it but it does the thing of like it makes it it puts all the pieces out to you and i totally understood everything about it 20 minutes before they have the monologue where tom cruise explains it in detail like the 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 walkthrough of it you know what i mean you know we already knew we knew we knew the second he shot colin farrell you know and then from there you're like, oh, because I think at that point they'd already introduced the idea of someone committed the murder of Anne twice. So it's like, oh, well, okay, he's shot Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell's just figured this out literally in this moment. It's the fact and, that like, they, 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 they emphasise so much that someone would have had to have access to the database, you know, to be able to create this. And, like, you know, like, of oh, the characters we know, um, that – what was his name? Uh, Lamar? Yeah. 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 You know, he was like one of the only characters that we know that had access at that time. So like it, it became too obvious. It, was, it narrowed it down too much. It did. It did. There was very, it, it, it sort of went from like, this could be anyone, but probably Colin Farrell to like, oh no, it's just Max von Sydow. You know what I mean? It didn't really narrow it down in an interesting way. Um, And it, so like, yeah, like I say, he shoots Colin Farrell. It got it. Cool. Um, we, we, at that point understand like everything that happened because like I said, we know the two murders occurred. Colin Farrell says they had to have switched clothes. Okay, cool. We get it. And then the movie does the thing where like 15 minutes later, Tom Cruise's wife is talking to Lamar and she's like, but I never said, I never said she drowned. And then like, it's like meant to be another reveal that it was Max von Sydow. Like, oh shit, it's. He did it. It's like, and then it's like, yeah, we know this. And then, like again, ten minutes later, Tom Cruise is like talking to him weirdly, a weird scene, like talking to him in his earpiece, just like I'm now explaining the plot to you, even though you did it. You know, didn't love the execution of that, you know. But hey, uh, but no, like the idea of Max von Sydow being the villain by itself is is fine. All right, Fitzy, we have to continue with the trend of ranking. Tom Cruise performances based on reading way too much into his characters and finding things that feel unique to this one. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we've, d- we've done this, like, how many times have we had this conversation with, like, talk- like, I'm like, wasn't it War of the Worlds or something where I'm like, oh, I can see Tom Cruise doing something different here and everyone's like, yeah, but it's just Tom Cruise, Zach. Like, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? How did you feel about him in the movie anyway? Oh, uh, yeah, I really like him in the film. Um in terms of Tom Cruise being different in the film, he's, I guess he's there. There, oh, I love the little interactions in the film that reveal um, character. Like there are little, little things, like um, you know, Tom Cruise asking the 
employee at the um at the pre-crime lab or whatever like you know are you having contractions or whatever asking about her pregnancy and like you can see like in a lot of little interactions that he's a good guy or like when he asked that guy who was originally part of the team if he has a good grip when he's like fighting them so like he's someone who cares and looks after people and you know he's a really good guy and yeah i like those little things and like that kind of happens with colin farrell with wixler or uh, wixter as well wixler i don't know Wh- um Whitlock, that's it where you kind of see that you know his whole thing is he's kind of anti he's, he's coming from justice from the sense of like anti-corruption trying to you know make the uh He's not trying to get rid of justice, he's trying to make it better. Um, although you could also argue he's just, you know, trying to get some good job or whatever. But yeah, I think the little things in this film are really great and that's like Top Cruises. He's great, so yeah. Can we acknowledge that that jetpack scene where he asked if he had a good grip, that was that was a that was a bad scene, right? That was a bad choreographed what? fight. That was it looked bad. <laughs> It felt bad. It was uninteresting. Where are we? Where are we starting and ending with this? Are you? Are we? So are, are we? For you and your brain here, starting with him being cornered in the alley and ending with him driving off in the car. Yeah, that was awful. Absolutely mm-hmm. atrocious. <laughs> it was. It, it was terrible. Um, the the jetpacks like looked weird and was sort of awkward when like the, the shots when he's like the, the dudes he's like climbing up the ladder I think and the dudes are like floating up sort of awkwardly hitting him and shit like that was awkward. Um, but it didn't become really terrible until they get into the car factory. Oh yeah, yeah. for like revenge. Uh, yeah, it's comedic. Okay, the moment when he, the moment when Tom Cruise gets trapped trapped in the car. <laughs> And then he like comes up and he's like smiling. Oh, like, that's such a good moment. It's funny. I don't know if they. I don't, I don't think it's bad. I, I wanted it's this movie. Um, yeah, it's good. Yeah, uh, but the whole the whole fight though, like in the dude, it was trash. It was like Raiders of the Lost Ark light inserted into the middle of this philosophical crime drama. And the score, like John Williams, Steve, oh, just it's like so, John. this is so obviously a John Williams score. It's, oh, yeah. it's, oh. But especially there, because like I, I actually like the score in moments. I like John Williams scores. So if I can tell it's John Williams score, that doesn't make it bad by itself. Um, and I do like it in moments when, like, they sort of use he uses this recurring like uh, female like vocalization thing. You know, when he when they go to the flashback scenes, I quite like that, but. Dude, in that in that fight though, it was Stevens just like John, just just do your thing, bro. Just do what you do for Indiana Jones all the time. It was garbage, and because it, it was like so generically obvious, like, all right, I'm I'm John Williams. I guess I'm just making another action set piece, quirky adventure score here. And and the scene had, I was thinking about why it felt so weird to watch. I, outside of the fact, it's just the whole thing is totally inconsistent with the movie. That's that's weird enough. But then I was like, what else made that shit weird? And the answer I came up with is that there was no dialogue. There's there's zero like even just little like exclamations the characters are making, like Colin Farrell. I don't know, just in these scenes, like just little snide comments or something. Like or Tom Cruise is like, oh no, or just something. Right? It was like five minutes when no one said anything, like not a word. It was it was weird. Anyway, yeah, thank you for bringing that up. That sucked. (laughs) 
there, there was that moment where they're like, get your six six ready, and I was like, oh, a six stick? What's that? Is that like a like a like a taser from the future? But then they touched it and just make them throw up. It's like, oh, right. yeah, that was yeah, yeah. That felt very Spielberg, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, but yeah, that was something. But I'm glad you brought that up because honestly, that was in my opinion by far the worst part of the movie. Now nothing else goes that low. Like, thank God. Oh yeah, so Tom Cruise. I uh, if I uh, Fitzy had great observations there. I did really like his interactions with the other characters. I didn't think of that though. What I, I was thinking, like, I liked him as sort of more the the quiet moments with him. Like, sort of, I love the scene when he's sitting in his apartment and he's like playing the holograms of his wife and child, and that gave me huge Blade Runner twenty forty nine like, you know, Ryan Gosling when he um, he he. he he slept with the, the woman, but had like, he, what it's, you know what joy. I mean? Love, joy, thank you. Like projected on, gave me that kind of vibes where it just feels like he's trying to have an emotional connection. It just feels really hollow, you know? And I thought that was a really good scene. So him sort of playing the, the traumatized cop, you know, him having those drug issues. That's sort of what I found in the differences for him. I, I thought he did a good job with that. What do you mean? He has, he has withdrawal issues in, in, in The Last Samurai. Oh, he does too. Mm-hmm. Never mind. It's a, it's a trash <laughs> performance. <laughs> hey, this came first though, so maybe I should go and retroactively make The Last Samurai like a a seven. You know? Maybe, uh, maybe I should. Or a four, two. Yeah. <laughs> Something more appropriate for that kind of film. Yeah. Oh. What do you mean, Fitzy? You loved the scene where the ninjas showed up. Bang. Oh, that was exciting, yeah. 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 Almost as exciting as the uh, car factory scene here. Bro, it was funny. I mean, it was it was Spielberg. John Williams doing their thing. It was good. No, it wasn't. It wasn't but that's all right. <laughs> but no, I, I, could, I could agree with you. Totally. It was them doing their thing. That's 100% true. And that's um, the fact that the jetpack added nothing to the scene either, but there was like a emphasis on it, you know? I mean, like, had, had they removed that, it would have played out the exact same just without floating people. I feel like I should have a different name for this. In in mental trivia, which is trivia that I read but didn't choose to include, and that it, but now it comes up, it included the fact that uh, Spielberg, you know, they had discussions about if to use jetpacks or not, and he, and he basically just went, well, I like jetpacks from... The movies I liked as a kid, so we'll throw them in. That's fine. That's fair logic. I mean, just you know, but I don't. In the scene, though, yeah, they're sort of they're sort of clunky. I think they tried to make them feel realistic and grounded. Like, oh, what would a real jetpack look like in twenty fifty four? So let's make them sort of awkward looking and like clunky to sort of float upwards. But it just sort of it didn't really serve as the scene. Science fiction. I want fiction. It's true. It's a great point. Let's sort of carry on from that action scene a little bit. I really like how the plot, I like the plot generally, except we touched on some of the Max von Sydow stuff, but Sido. early I, on, Sido. I, 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 I had a look, I, I had a, it's, it's a bit more like French in, in its pronunciation, but I mean, like, if you want to anglicize mm. it, it's Sido. It's, it's okay, okay, cool. Anglicize it, that's a great word. Um, like I mentioned, I think the movie does a great job of introducing us to the world, introducing us to Tom Cruise's character and his traumas. I was not expecting... Tom Cruise to be like this thing to be the fact that he's on the run now because he himself had a the 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 red ball was the premeditated one wasn't it or was it brown brown oh, cool I'm like oh 
interesting. And then it sets up the thread of he kills this person named Crow in three days or whatever it was, two days. I, I was in. I was like, oh, this is this is exciting. So he runs off. He uh, he goes to see the the creator of pre crime or like someone who helped create pre. I don't know what she did. She she, like, she was experimenting with the pre cogs. Right. Okay. Okay. And so he learns about here the idea that uh, this is where again philosophical stuff really interesting. This idea that people can have alternate futures. It's not a thing of you don't have. It's not necessarily true that you do end up killing Crow in forty eight hours. So. And these things are called minority reports that people can have. So you've got to go and find out if you have one. And I thought that was cool because it's addressing the my, my idea of the future I've always had mentally of like, if you see your future, that's it. That's that's your future. You know what I mean? I, this idea in fiction often that, oh, you see your future and now I just won't do that or I, I'll just change it or whatever. Like I think Tom Cruise directly has a line where he says, well, it says I'm going to kill Crow in 48 hours, so I just won't. I'll just stand here. I'll just sit here for 48 hours. And I just, You know what I mean? And it plays with that idea of like, but no, that's not that's not how it works, bro. You're going to end up there. But maybe you're not if you find the minority report. So like, I like this, the conflicting ideas here, you know. Um, but if he was literally to just sit there, then how would he end up there, you know? But he, but he, but he won't. But you why won't he? Because because he just won't. The future says he won't. But they can just looked into you know, the future. Handcuff him to a desk for forty eight hours, and then that's it. He'll end up oh. there though. Like the, no matter what, he's going to end up there. By yeah. that perspective, of course. By that perspective, I'm not saying I don't know, but, but he he just will because it's like it's not it's like the thing of when you look into your future. If you were to somehow like get the the I don't know the like be able to view it or something. That takes into account that you've like what you're viewing is the is your future. You've already it takes into account you've seen this already. You know what I mean? It's not like oh I'm looking at an alternate reality where it's my future, but I'm not I haven't watched it. You know what I mean? That's, it's just the yeah. Future. But in the film, it is an alternate reality because yes, yes, it, it, because every time that the pre dog sees something, the people stop it before it happens. So technically, Jane's right. You could just sit there and. Because in this, in this movie, you can have alternative futures e- even when the precogs are correct. So, yes, yeah. yes, that's and that's exactly that's what I find so interesting about it. You know, is that it's weighing up and it, and then ultimately, in that does sort of have pick a side there. I just find those sort of conversations really interesting. You know, mm. both theory, both theories sort of make sense, I guess. So yeah, no, I, I was digging the mo- dude. The movie, okay, it started to lose me. When we meet these surgeon characters, these eye surgeon characters, you know, that was like, uh, old mate from Until Dawn, wasn't it? The doctor, the yeah. psychologist, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty. I swear it was. Was it not Peter? Really? Peter Stormia, whatever his name is. I don't know. It probably so, is. I'll, I'll take it. Go and have a squeeze. This is just an example of weird Spielberg humor. That's that's just I find it cringeworthy. It's just like it just. I just find it gross. I just find looking at these characters in this movie that I'm invested in, this world that I'm invested in at this point, and they're like, it's, it's all unhygienic and shit. And they're like, maybe I don't know if I sound weird commenting on this, but and she like gets off the toilet, you know what I mean? It's like, no, like why? 
what is this in this movie? I don't, I don't appreciate this. I also just didn't really appreciate. I mean, I, I guess it was intentional. I guess it worked. But I just hate the movie's focus on eyeballs. I just find it gross. So anyway, back to reviewing the movie. <laughs> um, I love the shot because obviously this movie, I do like the movie's focus on eyes in a plot sense, in a story sense. I think, and just in world building sense, because I think it, there's something really invasive, I think, about thinking about technology that can constantly scan and read your eyes. And Tom Cruise constantly walking around the city and like everything scanning his eyes and identifying him going, hello, John, hello, John. Like there's something about that that's, I think, very deliberate in how scary and sort of invasive that feels, you know, of just this, this data existing of, we can just scan your eyes and know everything about you, you know? Um, so I do like how it plays with that and um, how it's sort of a focus in the world. Like he meet, meets that homeless guy who doesn't have any eyes. And when when that happened at first, I was like, what? But it makes a lot of sense. That would probably exist in this world. Um, but if you just close your eyes while you walk past the scanners, wear sunglasses. I can't really argue with that. <laughs> I think you just expose the movie hard. That's true. He could, he could, like, forget, like, the walking around with your eyes closed. Like, that's true, too. But sunglasses is the main one. Tom mm. Cruise goes to all this effort to get his eyes replaced, which was horrifying. And then, oh, but Tom, you can just, are sunglasses outlawed in the future? You know? that. But that guy with no eyes was wearing sunglasses. Hmm. But to be fair, he's like a he's like a legal he's like a drug dealer. So I don't think he gives a shit about the law. Yeah, I mean, you could just take you know your regular eyeglasses and chuck an eighty percent tint on them, and then it'd be all right. Mm, yeah, that's true. Anyway, so Tom Cruise had his eyes replaced apparently for no reason, and uh, <laughs> the scene that we get of the uh, of the the spider eye things that scan your eyes. How do you guys feel about this? Does this disturb? Do these things disturb you? The answer is, of course, no. It felt a bit spy kids. The gadgets did it not. That's true. That's great. Yeah, yeah I was like, I feel like, yeah, this is straight out spy kids two, mystery island, whatever the fuck it is. And... It may, it makes me happy that you thought of that. How do you like? Did you like the the shot? That's like this really long one take shot of that's like above the apartment building, following tracking and following the spiders as they invade oh, yeah. every single apartment. Yeah, that was funny. Yeah. I like, like the, the two people arguing and they stopped and then let them scan their eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I always love shots like that because they take, you know, immense planning because it's all one take, you know, immense planning. Um, I mean, they might hide cuts in there. I don't know, but in setting up like the geography of a, of a set and stuff and like, Putting the camera above, it's pretty. It's pretty cool. I like it a lot. Mm. Gave me Vince Gilligan vibes, if you know what I mean, Fitzy. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, uh, I thought, I thought, yeah, okay. I thought you were about Gilligan's Island or something first. <laughs> no, no. Right. I don't think I'll ever reference Gilligan's Island on this show ever. For any the question reason. is, have you watched it? I've seen bits of it. Uh, Are you impressed by that? I am. <laughs> cool. So anyway, we end up going to this hotel where uh, Tom is, or John, sorry, is destined to kill Crow. And it ends up being a setup 
someone's planted all of this here. And by all of this, I mean something we haven't even brought up yet is the fact that Tom Cruise's son went missing some years ago. And it's set up that this mate Crow did it or took him or, you know, whatever child terrible predator stuff goes on. And, but it's not true. It's a plant. And we end up, you know, understanding. But of course, Tom Cruise ends up shooting him anyway. Not exactly how we anticipated, but at that point in the film, it's like, bro, maybe, maybe there is some truth to the whole future. Yeah, you're going to end up doing it anyway kind of thing, but. Shouldn't the fact that um, Lamar planned it? Shouldn't that? Shouldn't his name be on the on 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 the perpetrator ball? You know, I mean, because like, because like, no because like, they're talking about it being like premeditated. But I mean, like, you know, Tom Cruise didn't premeditate this. It was Lamar that pre. You know, he's the one that planned all this shit out. So shouldn't his name be on the ball? I think you've. I think you've just exposed potholes. Fitzy, what were you about to say about this? Oh well, like, like the only sense, the only reason he knows about it is because of the pre-crime vision so it doesn't really it's kind of a um what, what's it like the grandfather uh grandfather paradox. Kind of paradox yeah kind of thing he never would have started it if it isn't for the thing but mm. i don't know it doesn't really because like how would lamar know to set it up at that time because he would have to yeah right right i get it because lamar like, of course sets it up to Disguise the fact that he he killed this in a, he killed what's her face Anne Lively, I think killed this innocent woman or whatever, hmm. um, who ends up being Agatha's mum. Agatha, a character we haven't mentioned at all, because I don't know if she's much of a character. You know what I mean? Dude, also bald heads and pools of water and connections and stuff. Like, why can't it just want to be like normal? Why are they always submerged in water? What, yeah, yeah, and why do they... No, the bald head and the and the head device is a valid one. Yeah, it's what I'm thinking about. What's up with that? Well, I'd like to hair. think... It's like a millimetre of interference. I'm sure it's not that different. <laughs> I'd like to think in the future, if I want to tap into some device that reads my mind or collects data from my brain, that I don't have to shave my head to access that, you know? Oh, yeah. So anyway, I don't know where I was going, but <laughs> what do you think about Agatha? I feel like Agatha is this... I guess it's just like a nothing. Am I meant to care? You know, mm. like she's just sort of a heap, a human mass that Tom Cruise has to carry around for the third act. You know, not to sound too dismissive, but I don't really feel for her because I feel like at the end of the day, for a lot of the twist to work, right? It's this discovery that Max von Sydow killed her mum in order to keep her. And continue using her as a because she's vital to the whole pre-crime um, prediction method technology working. So, I mean that makes sense, of course. He, he wants to make sure that she stays so he can continue building his project and his career. But I feel like to feel something about oh shit, Agatha's mum was taken away. You know that's that's horrible. How dare you, Max? You know, like I sort of have to care a little bit about Agatha. You know. Mm. Yeah, I also feel that Sidel should be should have been more explored in terms of like, not in terms of the twist, but just in terms of like why? Because he's obviously he's a character that's willing to do that to have pre crime uh, be a thing. But is it like 
does he just want that for his personal, you know, gain, power, or whatever, or does he have, like, the same kind of motivation as Tom Cruise, which is, like, he had something in his past which has, like, made him believe that this is kind of what he wants to do. He wants to stop criminals before they do things, even if sometimes it's not true because, because of the cost of, like, you know. But yeah, um, it's also similar with Colin Farrell because I, I feel like it's kind of, like, this anti-corruption thing, but he also doesn't really get uh, explored in terms of his past as well. It's kind of a Tom Cruise affair. So, mm. Mm. I didn't think so much about the Colin Farrell part, but yeah, I just think there's there's a bit of whiplash in the in, in with the Colin Farrell and the fact that like you know we're, we're kind of positioned so hard against him, and then it's like oh no, here we go, like straight back around without any. We're never shown this other side of him. Really, is always this opposing force before it just fucking you know. Yeah, yeah. Vitti, <laughs> I, <know. laughs> um, I can't. Uh, so, I haven't even gone to it yet. I, I wrote by far the longest note I wrote here. I went on a bit of a text ramble after I watched the movie about the use of Max von Sydow's character and his motivations. And you basically read it. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't. I think the movie focuses far too much on the on the ego route of it. Like, I don't. In terms of why he's gone to this effort, yeah, it makes sense. You know, protect his career. They focus on the fact that, you know, he's given his speech about pre-crime and about, like, he's at the celebration ceremony of it going national. And they, and Tom Cruise focuses on, like, he, he, he says, oh, so what? You, you know, you wouldn't be able to get all the autographs. And, and they sort of focus on that aspect of it. He's getting, you know, celebrated by his peers. I feel like a much better way to go with this character, other than just businessman wants to protect his ventures is exactly what you mentioned is if they dig more into the not not philosophical in a you know understanding universe sense but philosophical in terms of what what his ideologies are and if they'd gone into the idea of he is so determined to protect pre-crime not because he wants to you know protect his career here but because he is a believer in the philosophy the idea that you know the whole phrase mindset you know what do people say like it's it's better that you know you let 10 uh guilty people walk free than one innocent people innocent person punished or locked up right if the movie had honed in on the fact that he's a believer in the opposite that he believes in pre-crime and is committed to pre-crime because he believes that it is much better to lock away 10 innocent people then let one guilty person go free and that would you know work with the whole alternate futures minority reports idea of like yes i'm aware as john has gone on this journey in this movie to uncover the fact that yes there are alternate futures yes there are minority reports but my motivation throughout this entire movie is to hide the fact that yes i know there are minority reports i'm going to disguise that the the possibility that one percent of people that we lock up we're never going to do it is not is not worth the public knowing about because it'll take down this initiative i've created which has effectively lowered the crime rate massively in the city and 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 can save millions of lives you know what i mean that's a compelling argument i i I don't agree with it 
And if the public were to find out about it in this world, I'm sure the whole thing would come crashing down, much like it did come crashing down in this movie. But I just don't appreciate... I think it can be way more interesting. I think the, the his downfall could have been much more about that and the ideological conflict and Tom Cruise, because he himself is trying to find his minority report, him sort of then being the vessel of fighting for the idea of we can't represent this injustice to people of you know, locking away innocent people like this and have that sort of be the, the conflict in the climax of the movie as opposed to just, I really want to grow nationally and you stopped me, you know. That was yeah. really long-winded, I apologise. But is that, I feel like that's what you, you touched on and I, I felt very similarly. Yeah, and like even if they just had a conversation and then like the confrontation at the end, you know, just a couple of minute conversation it could have been. Um, a lot better, but yeah. yeah. I think Sidow as well obviously has like like great points if he were to have that motivation because pre crime works for most individuals. I think like ninety percent of the time it's correct. So exactly, it brings up there's a chance there's a minority report, but yeah, exactly. He would have a very solid argument, and it sort of just shies away from that. Or I don't know if it's like they choose not to focus on that or if genuinely like if I were to go and talk to the screenwriter, he would, he would sort of not, or he or she, I don't know. I can't remember. I think it was, he wouldn't recognize that, that idea to play with was sort of right in front of him. You know what I mean? That's I think that's can happen. If you're writing a script, you sort of create this story and it's not until like a third eye looks at it that you realize if you'd just taken this idea a bit further, it could have been way more interesting and you sort of don't see it. Um, I don't know. But then that could have also been the ultimate irony of the ending is the fact that, you know, because in the end, Lamar has a minority report. You know what I mean? Like that's he shoots himself instead of Tom Cruise, right? So, and that that could be the thing of like his undying belief in pre-crime that it's the just thing to do was unfounded because it was wrong about him, you know? I think think that could have been cool, but they sort of. Yeah, it's hard to critique the movie for something it doesn't do. You know what I mean? But I felt that a bit. We've sort of unintentionally gone chronologically, but shout out to the uh, Agatha lives in a shack at the end. Oh yeah, the ending was the ending was bad. Like the last thirty seconds of like just zooming out. Everything's okay. Like Spielberg happy ending. It was ah oh, sure. Yeah, that's fair enough. I don't I don't entirely disagree with that. I did, but I, I do love these Spielberg final shots. I love what he does. Um, like there's something about the way certain directors end a film. Um, I'm reading, not to get off track, I'm reading a, Nol- a Nolan book right now. I'm like halfway through it. And he talks about how he chooses to end movies sort of, he has like a mini building, mar- like all these movies end with a moment that builds in like the last 30 seconds and then it just cuts to black and it's really effective. I think Spielberg has his own way of ending movies too where he sort of, it's often just a shot that continues and then the, the credits just appear. You know what I mean? That That's sort of something that we saw it in Munich as well. Didn't happen, of course, in War of the Worlds where we had the weird Morgan Freeman voiceover. But So it's not a universal rule for him. But I did, I did like the, the shot of, you know, we get this really long, beautiful shot as the credits go and it's one continuous thing from the shack. And also outside of that, just... Visually, it's the first time we see trees in the movie. First time we see sort of nature. No, we see that at, at, at Tom's wife's farm. Oh, that's true. 
Mm. That's true. Yeah. That sort of still feels more contained, though. You we know? see it when he jumps the wall to that person when she has a whole greenhouse. Yeah, I suppose. And the whole garden as he drives up. And so it's like. Stop it, stop. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think my point stands, though. Like, you get the. Look at. Oh, look, there's still untamed parts of the, the world we recognize, planet Earth that we recognize here, like widely seen. You know what I mean? Outside of just, oh, there's some plants, you know. Well, I mean, even the murder occurs in like a, you know, oh, yeah, in, a, in, a, in, a lake. in a lake with like a bunch of trees that, and shit around. That, that looks like the Godfather Part Two's ending. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's a good point. Oh, I'll forget about it then. I will. <laughs> Final verdicts. To be honest, I, I, I don't know what I'm going to – I'm very conflicted about this movie actually after this conversation. I already was, but I'm even more so. So, Fitzy, please go first. Seven, seven out of ten. Um, like I was engaged all the all the way through, and I think it's a really solid um, film. I love the tone, you know, the cinematography, as you said. Um, the I don't know Tom Cruise's performance, his running, does a bit of running in the film. Um, and I don't know, yeah, seven out of ten. It it just in the end it doesn't all fully culminate, but yeah up there for me for Spielberg at least so yeah mm. Jaden? Six I don't know I, w- I was going to say like a you know a six and a half would be, would be appropriate but then Liam said seven I was like oh fuck that's too hot. close to seven I can't say that so well, obviously it's always going to round down to a six because you know it's just how it is I can't give half points on the show but um, yeah no I think I- I've voiced my opinions I was probably a bit harsher on it than the score dictates but yeah I'll give it a six. I think I've got it. I think I've got enough. Mi- like I did like it. I. I mean, I six is still a, a good score. That's the thing. I think we often. Yeah, no, totally. Like, yeah, so, yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. Sometimes when I str- when I'm struggling, because at the end of the day, I like, I, it's funny. I think so much about the score, but I also don't really care. Um, sometimes when I just like, whatever, I just need to decide. I I think about it on a thumb scale, thumbs up, thumbs middle, thumbs down. I think I've talked about enough here. For me to go thumbs middle, like I've got enough mixed feelings, you know, where where I'm not just like, yeah, man, minority report. So, okay, six. News chat time. A new Batman animated series is coming to HBO Max and Cartoon Network. It is produced I by. I thought there was one going. This, right is, the, now. this is the only interesting part of that because I feel like there's always a but you know. The world continues rotating. There's always a new, yeah, probably. And there's, you know, there's always there's always a Batman show. There's always a Ninja Turtles show, right? These these are things that just continue forever. But it is of note because the series is produced by. Are you ready? Matt Reeves, J.J. Abrams, and Bruce Tim, who is the creator of Batman the Animated Series, and this show is a. Spiritual successor to one of the most beloved cartoons of all time. So that makes it interesting. It is called Batman Caped Crusader. Of course, an incredibly original title. Um, but yeah, I just want to know, do you guys, because this is a big deal because Batman anime series is, you know, super influential and it's sort of getting this successor show with those names had attached. a successor show, didn't it? Batman Beyond, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was meant to be like. 
That that's an actual sequel show. This is more like a spiritual success oh, show, okay. sort of. If you want to make the distinction, but yeah, I get you. Um, do you guys have any experience with Batman the Animated Series? I don't know this. Yeah, I watched two seasons. I think. Oh yeah, you enjoy it? It's alright. It's sick. It's a Batman cartoon. I mean, sure. I mean, it is super highly regarded. I've not seen barely any of it. Maybe, maybe is it sort of hot? Maybe it's highly regarded for its, for, from a nostalgic point of view. I don't know if it's actually, I, and I don't know. Maybe it, I, it is meant to be influential. I, it's hard to sort of, from our modern lens, sort of look at that sometimes. Yeah, I think maybe because it was ninety seven or ninety eight when it first yeah. aired. Maybe because it took on that bit of a grittier tone that it, other superhero cartoons at the time didn't have. I don't know. That that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. What about you, Fitz? You ever seen it? Mm. No, not really. Besides, like, Saturday cartoons, like, back in the day. Yeah, not really. But I bet you're, of course, a viewer of Batman the Brave and the Bold. Hmm. The, that's the one where he has a black and red costume, right? No, that's Batman Beyond. Oh. Okay, He's got the grey and blue. Ah, oh, right. You know, like, real old school, like, 60s? Brave and the Bold was more our time. Definitely, yeah. That's why, I, yeah, I brought it up. Yeah. I've seen an extensive amount of that. Mm. Never loved it, though. No. Anyway, that's there for you. Go and check it out. I might check it out, but I sort of feel like I need to actually watch the animated series, you know, which I probably will never do. I don't know. Attack the Block 2. Jen, has it been – you're going to have to fill in all the blanks here for me. Has it? Was it just announced? Yeah. Yeah, I think it, I think it was just an announcement. Right. So it wasn't like already previously announced and now they're – No. Okay. No. And I'm okay. pretty sure in the announcement it said that Boy Egg is coming back. Yeah, no, I did know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Does this excite you? It, it, does the se- sequel to the first one you liked? Yeah. Yeah, I very, 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 very much excites me. Um, I love the first one, so it's very, very funny. Yeah, it's it's great. It's way it's way better sci-fi than Minority Report. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I didn't really expect a sequel because I, I didn't really know there was much you could do with it. I think I think the first one kind of ends rather resolutely. Um, Oh, okay. Unless my memory betrays me. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see a second part of this. What's it actually about? It's about um aliens attacking a East London block, I think it is. Oh, that's cool. And like a block is just like, like an apartment building. And it's where like Boy Eager and his boys live, you know. Sure, sure. Okay. Hope people enjoy that. Would I like it, Jaden? Because you're about to confirm this for me. Um. How much did you like Edgar Wright's films? Because you were kind of, you liked them, but you didn't love them, right? Yeah. Yeah, it'd be similar to that. I really liked, um, I don't know. Yeah, I found them enjoyable watches. I think the editing is awesome. All right, well, that's it for news. Stacked week. Now it's time for our highlights of the week. Who should I choose? Or should I just go? I don't know. Jane, what have you been watching? Bang, I was locked and loaded this week. Oh, um, sweet. <laughs> I chose right. Um, uh, Love, Death and Robots um, Part 2 came out, you know, the second season of the anthology series on Netflix. Um, and it was okay. You know, it was more of the same of the first season, except with less sex. Um. And like it's it's it, 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 I mean it has all the problems and all the you know 
pluses of, of, of the first season that like the cool stories it's great that these people are being able to tell them you know some of them are adaptations some of them are originals i think well maybe there are a lot of adaptations i don't know um but the it, it's just that some of them are really severely harmed by the short form format and like because like especially one like um one of the big ones that was kind of played up on like a lot in the trailer oh let me just say the trailer for season two is fantastic it's one of the best trailers i've ever seen and like the trailer is better than any individual episode of the series um but it's like like one of the main like one of the main episodes is is the pop squad is like it's it's so obviously blade runner influence and it's aesthetic but then like there's also these class ideals that you know look like they're plucked from like altered carbon and there's like you know this non-aging thing in this kind of if you can feel all the influences of everything else and that's where it kind of harms it because it's in the short form so it just feels like it's picking and choosing like from the best aspects whereas had it been this you know full-length movie those influences would have been more smoothed out and it would have felt more original in in its take and it would have been a lot better whereas this feels like it's just too much crammed into one you know although it's still decent um Mm. i think some of the episodes um the art style varies um and like some of them look really really amazing like um uh, ice i think it was called i don't know and like there's it's it, it, it's um yeah i don't know I, I think the shows are worth a watch overall but i think it's i think it's overrated in in in, in how much people praise it especially like as as, as revolutionary or visionary but it's i think mm. it's still a decent watch okay how long are the episodes do they vary or these ones were all between 12 and 17 minutes i think oh okay well, i think the first season had a bit more variance i think there was a few shorter ones a few longer ones okay but these ones were okay. a bit more uniform and how many episodes this season's only eight which is half of the first season oh okay or was it nine i don't know yeah right right but yeah okay tell me about what you watched well I'm going to break the rules again this week because I kind of want to mention two things. Um, I was going to talk about um, this new show. Sorry, you can't. You can't do that. Oh, Sorry. shit. <laughs> no, you can't. It's fine. Go. <laughs> um, the first one was um, my dad started watching this and then my mom started watching this and now I'm watching this. Um, it's this new HBO show. Uh, it's called Mayor, Mayor of Easttown. It's um, Kate Winslet. And she's like this, um, it's like this murder mystery kind of thing. You know, she's a small town detective, I guess, which kind of sounds, you know, cliche or whatever, but it's just, um, it's weekly episodes. Uh, there's five so far out of seven, I think. Make them on Mondays on uh, Foxtel. It's pretty much just a character study of her. Every episode kind of tells you a bit more about her, kind of peels back um, her past a bit and... I think it is Quicksilver in X Men, that that guy. You know the guy with that that scene where he's like running, yeah, like slow Evan, motion scenes. Evan Peters. Yeah, Evan Peters. Oh, sure. Yeah. And he plays like the other detective guy who's like coming to town to solve this thing, and it's like you really get to know everyone in the town, and it's kind of everyone's kind of friends or related, and I don't know, it's it's a great. It's written really great. It's a great show. So, yeah, check it out if you want to. But, yeah. But don't if you don't. Is is Geelong's own Guy Pierce the mayor of, of this town? 
Oh yeah, he's you know he's not he's not the bear. Um, oh okay. Mare means mare is the name by the way. M A R E. Doesn't that mean horse? Or isn't um, like a female horse? Isn't isn't a mare like oh, yeah, a type of horse? Yeah, I think it is a type Wait, of animal. So what's it mean here? It's Kate Winslet's name. That's her name. Yeah, yeah, but she's great in it. She's yeah. Tell us about your second show or movie. Second movie. Um, second thing, Vertigo, which I watched. I watched yesterday. I've been meaning to watch for a while. I guess. Um, I have the full Blu-ray collection of Alfred Hitchcock. His um films. So, so yeah, it's kind of one of those classics that I've been meaning to get to. Um, Ringwind and Psycho are really great, but um, yeah, I guess this this is really like the Hitchcock that. You know, it was for me or whatever that I really enjoyed. Um, it, it it balances like really just great like like suspense, entertainment, kind of plotting, and then kind of thematic elements and like symbolism like really well. Like it's like it, it's just kind of uh, a good detective story, but also kind of a movie about like I guess obsession and desire and that kind of thing and. The way the movie looks is just really amazing. It's like very, it's very colorful and it's also kind of the colors in the film are very intentional. Like sometimes green means a specific thing in the film or red means a specific thing. And that kind of um, symbolism um, kind of develops in a very, in a very interesting way. And kind of the plot in general is just the way it develops is very, um, intriguing and it's kind of like the whole film is this kind of dreamlike um you know trance kind of thing so i don't know it's a really amazing film it's kind of hard to um describe the experience by the end because the movie like really shifts and pulls you different ways so i don't know if i would watch it first though if i'd watch hitchcock i think check out psycho or rewinder first but I think Psycho should be everyone's first Hitchcock. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Mm. All right. Very good. Very good. I um, I watched The Woman in the Window. It's a new Netflix. Movie. Oh yes, let's hear about it. This is I want. I'm ready. It's utter garbage, dude. It's trash. Please don't. I'll I'll give it this right. The movie never bored me once. I was never once bored. I was there. I was and I hate like I think it deserves points for that. To be fair, like I was engaged the entire time. In my opinion, there's nothing worse than than an utterly boring film. So I'll give it that. Mm. Not even tempted to check my phone. So like, it's honestly more engaging than films I think are much better. So I, that, that's something. Um, but that's the only compliment I can give it. It's garbage. Uh, the and it's only garbage. Like w- w- by the time you get to the third act, by the way, like it's it sets up these ideas. I know it's based on a novel. It sets up these different plot threads about what's going on with this woman and uh, Amy Adams character. She is in the window. Yeah, indeed. She, she, she's contained to her home. Um, I won't spoil the movie, but I'm also won't go as spoiler free as I normally do. I don't think because don't watch it, but well, actually maybe you do if you want to laugh. Um, So she, she, she's contained to her home after a traumatic event in her past. And she witnesses a, a crime that takes place over the road in the other neighboring home. And it's basically her dealing with the psychological issues to solve the crime, right? It ranges from 
cliche to interest like I think it's well shot. It's interesting and intriguing and then it goes back to cliche so many times. It's not interesting by the end. I can't believe, and I was actually thinking of this right after I finished it, I can't believe, this cast is stacked. I can't believe these people sign up to this movie. And I just couldn't fathom that. But I read in the trivia that it went underwent extensive reshoots, and I'm like, I get it. They all they all signed on to a different movie because they didn't. There's no way Gary Oldman signed on to this movie as is the finished product if that were the if that were the first script that he read. No chance. And I mean th- that's interesting. The cast is insane, as I mentioned. You got Amy Adams, Julianne Moore, Anthony Mackie, uh, White Russell, which is ironic. <laughs> Anthony Mackie. Um, Gary Oldman does the thing in this movie where, and, and I compliment this about him a lot, where he like transforms into roles and you can't tell it's Gary Oldman and it surprises you that it's Gary Oldman. It, it, in this movie, he has like quite extensive makeup and, and hair and stuff. So it's that, that serious black thing again where I'm like, oh shit, that's Gary Oldman. Um, except he has four minutes screen time and his character does absolutely nothing. So it's, and it's really obvious that he was obviously meant to have a bigger role because there's no way you hire Gary Oldman and give him this look and do nothing like with his character. It's, it's utterly insane. Um, I, I can't talk about what makes it so garbage without spoiling it like entirely because at the end of the day, it's the, it's the story and it's ultimate resolution. Again, good hooking you the story's ultimate resolution, which is utter trash. Um, I, I ask, you know, they were, I asked my parents, we all watched it. Um, I was laughing hysterically for one minute um, during the the, the climactic um, scene, which was clearly reshot. Like the, um, there's a final battle in, whatever. There's a, there's a final climactic scene and it's utterly hilarious. Yes, exactly. There's a final confrontation between two characters. It is utterly hilarious. It, the movie completely turned into, archetype the the ultimate epitome of the archetype of a b slasher horror movie like that you'd rent at blockbuster when the rest of the movie was not that whatsoever and not trying to be that it's so clearly reshot and the 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 story resolution of it is so clearly like oh yeah that's the answer that and uh let's have a weird terribly shot action set piece i think i covered it it's garbage if you want to have a good, if you if you want to watch a movie where you're going to be like, and, and to be fair, maybe me like if telling you this probably isn't the same experience, but for me, I didn't know anything about anyone's opinion on it, so I was like, if you want to watch something that's like for an hour, you're invested, you're interested, and then it turns to utter shit, and that you can laugh at, that's sort of entertaining maybe for you. So check it out. I'm still going to check. You it out. know, still going to watch it. Seeing your score, I was like, oh, fuck. I mean, this discouraged me a bit, but I'm, I'm, I'm still going to watch it. I can't wait to, like, pop an eight on that. <laughs> You're not. You're not. But uh, let me, I'll, how do I even say this, actually? Don't watch it. But if you do, I can't wait to, I can't wait for you to watch it. I can't wait to talk, talk about it with you, man. <laughs> As always, now we hand the show over to you with our question of the show. Last week, we asked you, what is your favorite live-action hybrid 
animated film. Andy said, Sonic the Hedgehog is the only animated live-action hybrid film I remember watching. I've grown up too fast as a beginner cinephile. I actually, when I was doing research for this, I actually seen more than I thought. I'm like, oh yeah, that counts, I guess. And oh yeah, like, which I wasn't expecting, but. So maybe that's true for you, Andy, but I don't know. Luke said, Looney Tunes back in action. Cinema masterpiece should definitely be a consideration for the 60th episode of Cinema Effect. Enough said. Well, sorry, Luke, we've already got next week book. We, we book in advance, Luke, here. If you want to get a suggestion in, you know, maybe we'll get you in, fit you in there in episode 67 or something, but sorry about that. Fitzy, is Luke's answer your answer? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks, Luke, for giving me the answer because I didn't know if I'd find something if it wasn't for that. Oh, then, sure. I mean, I've, I've already talked about it, but Lenny Tunes back in action is just great gags and funny and Brendan Fraser's good so yeah very it. good my answer is Alvin and the Chipmunks 3 Chipwrecked hey love that film <laughs> I actually have seen that movie I was trying to think have I seen it did I see it in the theater I don't think so I saw th- I saw the squeakwall in the theater for sure for sure <laughs> and I've seen the first one like probably 10 times, which is, I don't know if I want to admit that on this podcast, but I did. Um, no, no, my answer's Christopher Robin. I thought about it. We all know my, uh, my my weird love that I also can't really explain other than I find it really charming for Winnie the Pooh. I think it's great. I think all the supporting characters and cast are great in, in that lore, in that universe of Winnie the Pooh. And... I think Christopher Robin like takes all that that I sort of inherently like and find charming because he got the same vocal performances um, that I love. And then you sort of include that with this Ewan McGregor, like somewhat generic, like, you know, trying to underst- be a better father character story. Um, and that actually does feel quite mature in a lot of ways. And you sort of blend those two things for a movie I really liked. So, and the CG, like the art style is really good. Like to actually include like a cg version of winnie the pooh and all those characters because you know we used to see them in 2d but like a a 3d like live action version of them they actually look really cool and i think it's probably the best like artistic direction they could have taken for that idea Jaden, what's your answer um i completely forgot and i have to look through movies now what were some of your other ones that surprised you that counted just so i can see (laughs) some before before i before I say one that I think might count, but I'm not sure. Cause like what, like what else did you? Now I've forgotten. Yeah. Um. Epic. So, but but Alvin and the Chipmunks was was the joke one, obviously. But it was things like that, though. That was like, oh yeah, like mid two thousands movies. Like, oh well, yeah, we said Hop last week. Things like that, though, in that vein, that are like CG mm. animal characters. I mean, if that's, I mean, Paddington counts, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Then, it's, then it's absolutely Easy. without a doubt Paddington. Yeah. No. Like, like, like <laughs> nice. it's genuinely like the one of the best kids movies ever. I mean, like, it's you know, I mean, like, there, there's nothing wrong with Paddington. It's just brilliant. I mean, like, if you haven't watched it, watch it. If you have watched it, watch it again. It's it's <laughs> it's it's genuinely like one of the best movies of all time. I mean, like, the you know? the first one or the second one. 
both. both. I mean, uh, they're, they're both great. They're, they're you got to choose. Movies. I mean, oh, oh, right. I have to personally, um, I don't know. First one, I guess. Sure. So most of the charm layers, I guess, you know, second one. Yeah. Second one's still Second brilliant. one's a soulless sequel. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, they're both brilliant. I mean, Metacritic 100 on, on the first one, whatever it is, but, you know. Is that true? I'm pretty sure it's true. What? Oh, on the second one. Yeah. Is that the really? second one or the first one? Uh, second one, I think. What? All right, Paddington 2 is a 88 on Metacritic. Yeah, And apparently oh. the first one is a 77, oh. apparently. All right. I swear it was a hundred. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One of them. I, I saw a news. Are you, I, I, you're not thinking of hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Is it? I'm just. Are you getting them mixed up? Is that? I think it was Metacritic. Yeah, I thought it was Metacritic because it was when um because when that like old review like old negative review of Citizen Kane popped up. Yeah, Citizen Kane. Yeah. Paddington became like the best reviewed movie on Metacritic, like at like a straight hundred. I believe it. The fact that you both thought that's quite odd. Yeah. There must Regardless, be something to it. There's something to yeah, it. Yeah. Best movie of that, without a doubt. Best movie of all time. Possibly. Oh, it's it's uh, Run Tomatoes, I think, because Susan King's 99%, Penguin 2 is 100%. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. I see. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, Citizen so that means what? One or two critics yeah, gave, yeah. gave it the thumbs down on Citizen Kane. One. And it was like one that only recently one. popped up. But like, right. it, was, it, was an, it was an old review that became like official, mm. like now. Mm. Was recognized. Yep. That's that's awesome. I love that. That's it for this week's episode of Cinema Effect. Fitzy, what are we watching next week? We are finishing Jason Bourne with Jason Bourne. So it's been oh, a long time coming. Yeah, has it been five five months? Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely the longest one we've done. I, I like doing these longer ones, though. I feel like we're invested in this franchise for a long time, but it's cool. We'll get hyped. Paul Greengrass is back, my man. Can he deliver? Oh, is he? Oh. Thanks, guys, for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you to everyone else for listening. Have a great rest of your week and goodbye.